Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blocks with Jasmine Todd and Caitlin. And today we got a special guest, TT. Better know, well, we better know her as TT, but her name is Tanisha Terry. Hey girl, hey. Hey. <laughs> Everybody give a little round of applause. You're sitting at home. Yeah. As as y'all listen to the podcast, just go ahead and clap your hands. <laughs> All right. So let's jump right into it. Uh TT, I done had to dive in and do a little bit of research. And you know what? Shout out to the USC page because they really had a lot of information on there and mm-hmm. it made my life so much easier. So <laughs> Shout out to them for putting credentials and interviews and stuff like that on their page. (laughs) So I read in an article that you fell in love with the sport in 2009. Can you tell us a little bit more about your journey into starting to run track and field? Um, so 2009 was, yeah, when I started this sport, I was walking home from school with my sister's and some other family members and friends. And around that time, I think uh, Recreation Park track was starting. So we saw a group over there and we was like, oh, we gonna go try out one day. So we planned the day to go out there. We tried out, um, I made it to the Junior Olympics my first year and I was a part of the relay, the Benham relay that um, broke the national age group record. So then from there, I just kept going year after year and I just stuck to it. Man, First day out, you already packing people up like that. <laughs> that's so crazy. But do you have like a specific, was that like the specific moment where you were like, yeah, track and field, like this is my sport? Um, I think, I mean, I was young at the time, so I don't know. I just know we broke the record. We was in the newspapers mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. You know, just seeing myself in the newspaper, like I still have a copy of that newspaper somewhere. To this day, and then you know, later down the line, uh, we broke a record again in the four by one. We was in the newspaper again, mm-hmm. um, but that was for a different track club, um, main attraction. That one is actually sitting on my stand somewhere. But yeah, so I think I just once I like noticed that I can travel and you know be do junior Olympics and be able to see different people and be with my friends and stuff and still run track and travel. I just knew I would I would stick to it. Did you and do other that- sports? No, I haven't tried no other sport. (laughs) At that point in time when you were younger and you realized, you know, you was getting all this fame for being a little fast or whatever. um, Did you know like what your goals were at that time? Did you picture how far that you wanted to go? No, I was just out there having fun. I'm like, okay, the Junior Olympics this year or the Junior Olympics next year. Where the Junior Olympics at? (laughs) We travel here. We travel there. We got Baytab. I wasn't worried about no times, no places. (laughs) I was just out there with my friends having fun. Man, that's how it should be. <laughs> Literally. I mean, it's expected. And then then you're in high school and girl, you did some things in high school, okay? <laughs> like, Talk you were still Talk out there making teams. And at what point was it for you that you were just like, yeah, no, nah, I, I could really do like, I could do this. This is me. Um, it was really in high school. Um, I competed on every level for track and field, recreation, middle school, high school, collegiate, non-professional. But I think high school, my sophomore year, when I realized that kids can go to college of their choice for free. And I was like, hold on, I didn't know that at first. I was just in high school and I was like, okay, I'm just running. 
but at the same time, I was still taking it serious, you know, because that's when I started like focusing on what I eat and stuff like that. Then I realized that. And then my sophomore year was also when I met Coach Carroll as well. And when I won my first state title um, individually, both in 100 and 200, and we won a four by one and we won a team title. So after that, I looked into the USC, got to know USC a little better. And then I was just researching uh, what I wanted to study and it just went from there. And that's, I was literally just about to say, like, so you went to USC and they started to build this legacy because for a while they, they've always been a great program, but then they had that down period. And then coach Mm -hmm. Carroll came there and they picked it right back up. So what was your recruiting process? Like, like what other schools were looking at you? Um, I actually knew I was set on USC for my sophomore year. I wasn't really worried about no other school. I took a visit to Alabama, but I wasn't one that took a visit to all five schools. I knew I wanted to go and I was like, I don't need to take all them visits. Um, but the recruiting process at USC, you know, I went there, the team, I fell in love with the team. I clicked with the team and, you know, like when you're on your visit, you want to like the star athletes, they try to do as much as they can so they can make sure you're comfortable and you become and I remember, I think I legit told him, like, you don't have to do all that. I'm coming here regardless. Like, you, you, can do that. Like, you don't have to do all that. I'm coming You don't got to do the theatrics. Um, yeah, so I didn't really take no visits. I only took a visit to Alabama. Um, but I didn't really care for the Alabama visit, <laughs> if we've been honest. And then mm-hmm. other than that, everyone else was actually scared to recruit me when they knew that Coach Carroll was getting Why? I don't know. But, Crazy. yeah, it was like... <laughs> They would talk to my they would talk to my high school coach, but they wouldn't talk to me. And it's like my high school coach would tell them, go talk to her, go tell her, but they would never like come and talk to me. I don't know what coach, what about Coach Carol made them scared that they was set that I was going there. Because I accidentally um at state championships when I finished the 200, um, they asked me, can I get them like a hint? And I just randomly said West Coast. I wasn't thinking California on the West Coast. Um, and then at that time, I guess people started sending my interview. That I did to Coach Carroll, I was like, do you know who this is? Do you know her? I did this, this, this and that. And I was like, oh, I ain't mean to say like West Coast. But yeah, I found out that they were sending my video around and stuff. But then the rest of them, like, they were scared to like really ask me, honestly. So <laughs> I didn't really reach out to nobody. He kept saying there's something behind the scenes. Because <laughs> so I didn't reach like- out to nobody. Nobody didn't reach out to me. I mean, I was set on USC anyway, so. I was That was going to be my next question. Like, did it bother you that other coaches were afraid to approach you after that or um no it didn't it didn't really bother me um because like I said I was already set on USC way before my senior even came for the process um and I wasn't one I didn't really care to take um visit other people I was like I know my mind is already made up um so I didn't really like think too much of it. I mean like probably later down the line like talking with some friends and stuff like here and there um visit stuff like oh maybe I should have took like more visits just to see the schools or just to like experience more but honestly it never really bothered me or occurred to me about not taking all five visits no that's lit and as we talk about the coaching staff can so I I also kind of saw that Carmelita Jetter was someone that you looked up to so Mm -hmm. now she's over coaching at SC does that have any type of meaning to you do you think that's cool at all or like that coaching staff is pretty elite. <laughs> um, I mean, as you know, I met her, what, 2017 um, at Prefontaine. You know, that was my first time meeting her. And then my freshman year at USC, she came out one day and surprised me at practice um, with, with Coach Carroll. Um, but, you know, yeah, USC have a stack Olympic staff, you know. I feel like that's great for them. 
Um, and it's cool like to see all of them doing what they're doing over there. But yeah. Now, I remember when you posted um your graduation picture. Um, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. I'll be forgetting how to the time work. But when you posted your picture, the only thing I could think was this girl is really decorated because you was down on the track and you had all of your um your trophies and stuff sitting there in front of you. And I'm like, this girl is sick. Like I knew she was cold, but when you actually like have someone display their accolades out like that, it just it just gives a whole different feeling and a whole different meaning. So I just want you to talk to us about, you know how your college years went because you were really, really awesome doing some really great things. And I just feel as though people just need a recap of how awesome you were. Um, So my college year went amazing. I don't have no complaints about the way my college went. I went into USC in the summer of 2017 um, and I wrote down my goals. I was like, I'm gonna break Angela Williams record, which was 1099, but I didn't expect to break it my freshman year, of course, so, <laughs> because I think, was that the school record and freshman record? Um, no, I said I was going to break her record. I think her record was 1104 or something like that. But I didn't expect to go 1099 my freshman year. Um, my first meet, I opened up with 1096, but it was, of course, win dated like 3.3 win or whatever. Um, but then my freshman year, um, I got thrown into with the pros at Mount Second. I'm like, I'm the only freshman in this race. And I'm in the middle of the pack with pros. I think it was Jenna Prandini. Um, I forgot who else was there and then I just know I won and I ran 10 nine legal there um or whatever so it was like a picture that came out of that that um I was always using that was my reaction to running finally running 10 nine legal because I kept running 10 nine but it was always windy 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 the wind was never on my side um so you know just doing that my freshman year setting the freshman record to be 10 nine the school record to be 10 nine you know then sophomore season rolled around um I probably went, what, 1098? I went 1098 that year, but then I also won Indoor Nationals unexpectedly. Um, out of lane one, you know, that was that was surprising, you know, to have, what was it? I think the hurdles ran, Chanel won, then the 400 ran, Kayla won, then the 60 came, and I'm like, oh, snap, it's my turn to keep the momentum going. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I won, you know, unexpectedly, because I wasn't, I wasn't big of an indoor fan, um, especially coming into SE. That was my first time ever doing indoor. And then junior year came around. It was COVID. You know, things happened. I just came back home, enjoyed my time. Then my, I guess you could say, quote, unquote, senior year, I guess it would count as senior year or junior year on the track, whatever. Uh, ran, did what I needed to do. I knew I wasn't going to be coming back to school. So I was like, I need to do X, Y, and Z, do everything I need to do. End up winning Pac-12s again uh, for the third time in a row. End up winning a 200 for the first time. Um, at Pac-12 that year, and I ended up running 1089 at regionals, you know, lowering the school record, you know, so it was great things that happened back to back, you know, I appreciate everything I've done at USC, I don't have any regrets, I feel like I left my mark, I did everything that I wanted to do, and that I needed to do, and also made USA teams my freshman year, then made two more teams my sophomore year, Um, so I did, I did great things at USC. Now, you had so many just amazing moments as you as you've been explaining over the past couple minutes but I want to know is there a moment or particular moments that you just felt like were the best for you um were the best for me I think winning indoor 60 winning pack 12 my senior year 
um, because Pac-12s is back at home. It was at USC. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that Oregon disrespected us in a four by one, you know, so I had to, <laughs> had to get my get back in a hundred. And then uh, being able to also win the 200 um, at home was a great feeling. But even like aside from the athletics, I would also say getting two degrees in four years. Mm-hmm. Yep, because boom, you. I just love that you really do be leading into my my next thing. <laughs> you just make it so easy for Jasmine. She really, she really does, and I love I love when that happens. So you earned a degree in communications, and then you minored in forensic forensics and criminality. So you had the what I saw. Mm-hmm. have the hopes of um either getting involved with criminal justice or mm-hmm. doing sports broadcasting is that still something that you see in your future um criminal justice not right now um I wouldn't mind going back into criminal justice if I was to get into criminal justice it'd be with a federal agency like the U.S. Marshals or like something along those lines um but as far as sports broadcasting yes I still see myself getting into sports broadcast I wouldn't mind on sports broadcasting, but then I ended up getting my master's in entrepreneurship and innovation uh, because I want to start a foundation um, and I'll eventually open up a daycare, you know, so I got different things to do with my degrees if I, if I want to. See the versatility, TT love the kids. Yeah. <laughs> you talking about sports broadcasting, but I feel like you already got your hands in that a little bit, literally with the Twitter fingers, because, you know, we've already interviewed you about this over the summer, about how you are literally the queen of track Twitter right now, always making sure that people are updated, whether you run it or not, you are going to make sure that people have information on the meets that are going on throughout the year. And so um, if you could just explain for us again, why you got into that, how you got into that and how it's kind of just been continuing to grow and blossom. Um, I actually don't even remember how I got into it. I just know that a lot of meets, you know, track and field, it's hard to find our meets and stuff. And then if you do find them and they charge like an arm and a leg for you to watch it, for you to preview it. So I think, I think, I don't remember what meet, what, but it was something. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to record because people can't watch the races. So I'm going to just record them on my Instagram story and I'll post the results for them or I'll post the results link. And then it kind of just went from there. Then eventually I used to start, I was watching it live and I would just tweet about it, you know, because everybody at that time tuned in for track and field. And most of my following um, is track and field folks or folks that's interested. And so, you know, I've been able to communicate with them, talk with them, uh, predictions or uh, about the race in live time, you know, so just being able to do that. And I just started and I just kept it going um or whatever then it got to the point where some people was like are you recording the meets for today are you recording are you recording that so I'm like yeah just go to my Instagram story or some people were running the tweet like oh I missed this and that but I know I can go to TT story to find it but then it just it just went from there no that's lit I don't know Caitlin did you want to stay on that subject because I'm gonna switch the subject up a little bit yeah for just a hot second um because I want to know how how it feels to know that you have that impact, that you literally got people talking about, well, if I can't find it somewhere, I know I'm going to find it through her. <laughs> um, I mean, it felt good, you know, just being able to allow them to be able to watch the sport, you know, because it'd be some great performances going on, but it'd be so hard to watch them, whether we're busy or whether you can't access it. So just being able to post for them and let them be able to watch the whole meet or tap through whichever event they want to see and just be able to know what's going on and be updated a good feeling yeah go ahead jasmine 
Okay. I was like, I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> so I want to know because you're a Florida baby and mm-hmm. you went to school in California. Was there a cultural difference for you? Um, not really. I think that's because I was in LA. Um, so, you know, LA and Miami is always something going on. It's fast paced. Um, the only thing that was different was like the weather, like LA was more consistent with their weather. It wasn't humid like Miami. Um, but other than that, I feel like it was basically about the same thing. It wasn't too much, um, of a difference. I think what's one thing I noticed in LA that they like put ketchup on like their eggs or salsa, like on their eggs, um, like that kind of stuff. But other than that, it was, it was very similar to Miami. I love that. I, I love hearing what people say, especially like the food, because for me, it's always when I hear people talk about the avocado toast, that always, <laughs> yeah, I just be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not on that route, but <laughs> yeah, <I get> it. <laughs> so what is the biggest difference um, from being a collegiate to a pro for you? Um, I think for me, the biggest difference is being on your own, you know, in college, you had the, um, the massage trainers, the physical therapists, you had everybody there and you can just go in and do it. Whereas as a pro, you have to like schedule with different people. You have to find people, um, to do it with and do it on your own. But I still have those resources at my fingertips. I would say it's just a matter of me actually having to set up appointments and stuff with them myself, which is not really an issue for me. Um, but I feel like that, that was the biggest difference of not having everything in one spot for you or everything like already pre-planned. Mm, that facts. <laughs> what has been the best part about being a pro and what has been the worst part? Um, I would say the best part about being a pro is me being in this group, um, Star Athletics. You know, I feel like this group has helped me a lot throughout this season, being able to know that I don't have to be always strictly track, 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 track. Like I can have fun and still do what I need to do on the track. So, you know, I was able to do a lot uh, with the group, you know, whether it's us going to lunch after practice or like going to dinner or doing different stuff together. I'm able to step away from track and (laughs) relax a bit and then go back to practice when needed and do what I need to do. And just being able to have teammates that's also like ranked in the top um, or whatever, being able to train with them and get different perspectives being in the group. You know, some people that have been around for a long time and so that just got started like myself. So just being able to know what to expect and having different people to help me. Um, the worst part, mm, I guess the worst part would be having to travel overseas <laughs> and getting acclimated to like that. Um, but that also still wouldn't really be as worse, you know, because I still get to see the world while doing what yeah. I love. Jasmine definitely got some questions about that one towards the end. Let me let me tell you that right now. So you better get prepared. Um, but <laughs> you were talking about how your training group is with Star Athletics. And I've always been curious as to how people decide what training group they're going to go to. Because, I mean, I guess I could have been asked Jasmine this question because she right here. But how does that work? Do you get to choose? Do other people choose for you? Like, how does what be going on? Um, so I feel that you get to choose, um, but sometimes it may come push, come shove where, um, your, what would I say? Your agents, your brand or whatever would probably recommend that you change coaches or something. They see that you're not really, um, excelling in your sport, whatever they would recommend, like a coach change stuff. But for me, I personally chose my own coach who I wanted to go with. Um, and I chose Dennis Mitchell, you know, I looked at who he had in the group. 
you know, he had Shakari, and I saw what she did um, her year out here. He also had Javian. Um, and when I spoke with him on the phone, I had scheduled a phone call with him. I spoke with him and got a rundown of how he ran his program. And it was stuff that I wanted to, it was stuff that I liked to hear and that I wanted to hear. And I was like, okay, I can work with that because that's what I'm looking for. I spoke with other coaches and I asked them like the same question. I'm like, oh, okay, I can't really, you can't really do much for me there. Can't really do that. You know, so then I just spoke with him, came out, saw Orlando, um, Claremont, whatever, looked at apartments and stuff out here. And then I was like, I'm gonna join the group and I'm gonna see how the first year go. Um, and the first year went great for me. So I'll be in this group for a minute. <laughs> it almost sounds like it's you like picking a school again like you saw you calling around talking Basically. to coaches and stuff oh my god it literally it's like a whole nother recruiting process and while we talk Basically. about that when it comes to agents because everyone's story and how they found their agent and choose agents is so different and also yeah. kind of the same too so what was your journey like in finding your agent so with me, um, in college, I didn't really talk to many agents. Agents didn't really reach out to me as much. But I saw Emmanuel and Daniel, which is HSI. And I saw, a, because they signed Michael Norman. And then I saw, um, excuse me, um, Mark, because he was with Rye and um, Candace, you know. So I saw them very often. So I mainly knew about those two agencies. I didn't really know much about um, other agencies. Um, so I, well, I knew about Ramon Agency. Um, but I didn't really look into agencies for real until it came down to, like, I know I'm going to leave. Um, I looked into HSI. I knew they had Michael Norman. I knew they had, like, the little. I knew who all they had. And I researched to see what anything was actually um, about and how many people, like, operate under them, who all in their agency that's, like, in my event and how they treat their athletes and stuff like that. Um, but then I was able to talk with the agency. Well, my dad talked with the agents in person because I wasn't trying to deal with none of that while I was still competing collegiately. Mm -hmm. Um, over there so he talked to a lot of them got a feel for them uh, but at the end of the day it was my decision on who I wanted to sign with um, or like of course my dad gave his input on different people and stuff but at the end of the day he was like this is your decision you got to make this decision because you have to work with them you have to stick with them um, so I just looked into research like I said a lot of research and um, hearing like word of mouth from other athletes as well like what their experience like with them um, and then it was also about like who I connected with who I got the feel for um, stuff like that. So I just end up going with HSI. Were you scared going through that process at all? Um, no, I wasn't scared at all. I really, it was just more so like a waiting game, honestly. Um, like, cause once you get your agent, then now the negotiation have to start. Um, the negotiation was just like a long process, a lot of like back and forth, like fix this or take this out or add this in. So just a lot of like, just waiting, like a basically a waiting game, I would say. So what advice would you give to a collegiate that is potentially thinking about going pro? Um, to ask questions, ask around, like, don't just stick to your friends, but like ask other people as well, because everybody gonna have different stories. Some gonna have the good, some gonna have the bad because not everybody's experiences are the same. So you got to try to get the different perspectives. Like how would that person act if you was to get into it with them about this or how they're like this. Cause not, like I said, not everybody have the same experiences. Some never clash with their agents or their coaches and some have clashed with theirs. And it's like, you have different perspectives on how they would act if they're in certain moods. Mm, that's good advice. I like that. And then I want to double back to like your training group because y'all got such a one, an elite group. And then not only that, y'all are all characters. <laughs> <laughs> what is Please. 
What's your guys' environment like and how are practices for you guys? Oh, uh, our environment is very like playful, but also like we know when it's time to be serious and when we got to get stuff done. Um, and it is also like motivational, you know, you come to them days where you don't want to do the workout, you don't want to do the rest of the workout, you know, we motivate each other, like, come on, get on the line, come with me, come on. It's like, it's to the point, like, we will even be talking to each other doing reps sometimes, like, come on, girl, like, you need to come on, pick it up, or this and that, or like, stay right here, we good right here at this pace, you know, so it's just a lot, and it all, like, just depends on the day, you know, like you said, we are a lot of characters, always a lot of, like, playfulness and, um, going on, a lot of, like, joking and, messing with each other and stuff so it's it's good vibes i'm like that that is a very diverse and characteristic group but not only do you guys just have americans you guys have people that run for other countries so how <laughs> how is that for you to see your training partners at world championships competing and the rest of the season honestly you guys did really well this year um it felt really good you know being able to know that we all made the world team we all going there like we represent different countries but at the end of the day you know we might like well on the guy's side because the dudes that's in our group from other countries are, are the men um you know they're probably like sell out to each other like oh we're gonna beat y'all or we're gonna do this we're gonna do that you know so just being able to still like go back and forth each other but we know at the end of the day it's just all love like right now you got on a different country and i got in this country so we, we going against each other you know um but it's great to just being able to see so many people from the group make it to Worlds um, and just being able to be there together, you know, train together, leading up to Worlds. So it, it's a great feeling. Speaking um, of training partners, I remember seeing a picture of you and Shakari come out. I don't even know how to explain the picture, but both of y'all just look cold as hell. It looked like y'all supposed to be on the front of an album cover or something. And I'm like, man, if I ever have a training partner, we got to be as cold as these two. <laughs> like this duo is absolutely ridiculous. And so I just want to know um, what is one of the funniest moments that you and Shakari have had at practice? If you can say, because I feel like every time I ask people this question, they be like, I can't you can see a lot of our stuff be oh <laughs> uh, what would be a funny moment i don't even know we have so many funny moments and so many like adult censored moments so <laughs> i can't even like i can't even like pinpoint like one moment because there's always something with her there is always something with her. because and it's because most of the time I be catching her doing stuff I don't even be trying to catch her doing. It's just like I just look and it's like, come on now, like let's be yeah. real. Like, so I don't we all got a teammate like that. I don't even really know for real for the pinpoint like one specific moment. If you could describe your guys' relationship as like trying to think of like a TV show, some characters, or like from a movie. So, a character. What relationship would it be? Mm, I don't even know. You can even put. A character. <laughs> she is her, own, she is her own person. Like somebody, I saw one of like somebody that's like a big fan of her that like have a fan page of her called us like Fire and Ice. I would definitely say she's the fire and I'm like the ice. I put her out at moments. <laughs> like I'd be like, we'll be somewhere. And she'd be about to say something, do something. I'm like, nope, not not right now. Mm-mm. Calm, calm down. Nope, we're not doing that today. So I would, describe, I would definitely describe us as fire and ice. And she's definitely the fire. That is <laughs> so I crazy. Love that. <laughs> How did y'all um, develop into like such this amazing friendship that you guys got going on? 
Um, so it kind of just happened once we got here. Like I knew of her, she knew of me. Um, of course she went to LSU, I went to USC. We didn't really meet up with them until nationals. Like we never really ran any meets with them, you know? So that year at nationals, I was, she was running everybody down on the four by one, but that year I was like, we was leading for a while with our four by one. We had like the top times that year. Um, and I was like, she's not running me down at no national side. I don't <laughs> know what she thinks she got, she's not running me down. And I, I even told Coach Cardin, I said, she might run everybody else down, but she's not running me down. I was like, 10-9, not catching 10-9. So it kind of like, <laughs> like went from there, you know, we had the four by one, we won um, or whatever. And then like towards the ending, I'm the type of person, instead of taking a curve, I tend to run straight while other people are taking a curve. So mm-hmm. we kind of like clashed with each other. But it wasn't like nothing serious. But y'all know how social media be. They try to make yeah. it out. Like, we didn't yeah. like each other. We was like beef with each other. But I'm like, I almost ran it. We almost ran into each other. Like, ain't nobody ran about that. Um, <laughs> and then from there on out, we kind of like probably talked here and there on social media, but not really too much. But we followed each other. Um, then once I came to the group, we kind of just, just clicked with each other. Um, you know, like my vibe just, I guess, attached to a lot of people um, within the group. And then me and her, we just got closer over time you know and there's certain meets where it would just probably like me and her and then probably Kyrie um you know like Prefontaine and stuff like that so we just got closer from there man you talking about uh you saw 10-9 not catching 10-9 hey listen all I'm gonna say <laughs> is that whatever you told coach Carroll that day and how nationals <laughs> went down that day it was a very big precursor to what happened at World Championships this year. But, you oh, know, we're going to keep going in the timeline. We're yes, going to keep going in the we timeline. Is. We're not going to skip it. Well, because we already there because now I'm ready to start talking about Worlds. Before we even get into the 4 by one I just want to know, like, you got to experience World Championships on our turf. Y'all came and showed that I'm not going to cuss. Y'all showed out. Y'all mm-hmm. because they showed the hell out. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say hell. I was about to drop the f bomb. <laughs> but what was your experience like at World Championships? Um, I had a great experience at Worlds. It was being able to make my first World Team and it's on U.S. soil. Um, in my first year professional was a great feeling. Um, of course, I wish some things like would have went better with making like the final in a hundred, you know, but I can't complain. I took a lot of lessons and I know what to do and what not to do leading up to the next world championships. That's exciting. So I got to ask, what's one thing that you would tell your younger self? Um, to just <laughs> stick to it and keep going. Cause that's what I did. And look at where I'm at. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Big facts, Caleb. Were you about to ask some? Um, was I? See, listen. So, TT, like we had a we had an interview earlier this week, and my brain kept messing up because I, my brain cells are are officially gone after four <laughs> weeks of fall training. So, you know, sometimes it's gonna look like I'm trying to say something, but it ain't really <laughs> nothing in that brain of mine. It ain't nothing moving around. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how your your brain cells still fried. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. <laughs> so I always like asking everybody who experiences the relay. You ain't got to go into too much detail because I know everyone's relay experience is so different. But for you in particular, what was your experience like? Um, my experience with the relay was 
it was cool. You know, we went to relay camp. We did little stuff there, did different scenarios on the hypotheticals of this person running this, this person running that leg. Um, but I mainly trained for fourth leg at relay camp. So I knew I would be running on um, fourth leg, but I knew it was a potential um, thing that it could be switched um, at any point or whatever. But I wasn't really too worried because I was like, I basically set myself up for fourth leg and I was doing what I needed to do at relay camp. The exchanges were going good, no matter who they switched out to bring the baton to me. So I would say it was it was a good experience and being able to like just spend those like two, two little days, two, three little days, being able to get acclimated to each other because we all came from different groups and we have to meet up at rurals to run. When you saw the picture of Jenna handing you the baton, what went through your head? Because I know you said you didn't feel it and you didn't even realize it, but what went mm-hmm. through your head when you saw it? Um, when I saw the picture, I was like, oh, okay, like that's different. I didn't even know she did it because I only saw it because so many people were talking about it on Twitter. And I was like, what is everybody like tagging me? What is everybody talking about? <laughs> and then I saw the picture and I was like, I saw my hand like, and she was like this. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, she's just making sure I get the baton by any means necessary. Okay. Um, I, did, I honestly really didn't feel it. We never practiced that at relay camp. It never like really happened because I'm so used to running fourth leg and like whether there's pressure or not to just remain focused on myself, keep my hand steady. And once I put my hand on that baton, snatch it and go. So I didn't really was focused on whatever she was doing back there, just as long as we got the stick. What was your favorite event at World Championships to watch? My favorite, I think the 4 by 4 I think 4 by 4 women's, I would say, well, the men did good too, but I think the women, when Britain started opening up that third leg. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Girl was gone. That, that was magical. It definitely was. Caitlin, I want to get into some of the fun questions. Are you? No, I still have some questions. I still have some questions. Well, you were talking about your brain fried. So... <laughs> okay, listen, listen. I'm. You know what? I don't even know what to say no more. I'm gonna just ask some questions because you you stress me out. Go ahead, fried brain. Okay, fried brain. Let me let me let me, let me gather my thoughts together because I got I got a couple more before we transition over to these fun questions. But, um, I mean, your first season out, world champion. I mean, it ain't a whole lot of people. I mean, I guess Melissa and Abby can say that now, too. But <laughs> it's still not a whole lot of people that can be like, yo, it's my first year out. I'm already on top of the world. So what was that feeling like coming across the line knowing that you had the Jamaicans on your ass? Um, honestly, when I was running, I wasn't really thinking nothing for real. I don't know what my brain was clear. Actually, I wasn't thinking. I'm just relaxed, focused, and running on because I know they was gonna be coming, but they was gonna have to work for it. They was gonna they, mm-hmm. they was gonna catch me just off rip. You gonna have to work for it. And as we saw, she was closing, but I was like, just remain poised, focus on yourself, do what you need to do, focus on your own race, and get to that line. And even when I crossed the line, I already knew that we won, I just felt it. I, I just felt it. But then once I saw it on the scoreboard, it was just more confirmation for me, you know, and then that's when I let out the reaction of screaming um, and stuff like that. But I had already felt that we won. But even like, I don't really watch the race when we run the phone because I'm like, okay, just get ready. It's time for you to make sure you focus on tomorrow. But I saw Melissa eat up that first leg. And, like, oh, I just, and I was like, she's breaking stagger. So then by the time I got the stick, I wasn't watching anymore. And then I saw Jenna come and I'm like, 
Jenna right there. So I was like, okay, just get ready, get focused. I'm like, just making sure I take out on time. I do what I need to do because if I get the stick in the lead, they're going to have to work for it. They're not just going to run me down and I'm not just going to give the race away. I'm going to fight to the line. That's that's what I did. Very it was it was definitely a picture perfect finish i mean me and jazz was sitting at the line like oh snap oh snap <laughs> and you know jasmine um as she as she rightfully had the i guess the knowledge to choose she chose the jamaicans because you know they all was running super fast all year but i was like nah those my girls <laughs> those my girls they gonna win this and what happened tt came across that line <laughs> with that baton and it was nothing else I think what that helps with that it. is knowing the orders though had i known jamaica was doing that order but I, 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 jamaicans if y'all listening i don't care that order was <laughs> i feel like i feel like because i think that was a order before at the olympics the only thing is that brianna was yeah. on first leg instead of kimba yeah. but I, like I told you, I was like, you can have the four fastest people, three fastest people. It don't matter. The stick exchange is not right. You're not getting yeah. nothing. That's kind of like what we saw in the race, you know, uh, between like Kimba and Elaine and then between Elaine and Shelly and then Shelly mm-hmm. to speaker. Like it was all like mishaps uh, yeah. with the with the baton exchanges uh, or whatever. But everyone would, everyone was rooting for Jamaica, you know, but like I said, in the, it come down to the stick pads. And then even before we even went in, Michelle was saying it's gonna come down to the stick changes, um, or whatever. And I felt like we could win if we had the stick changes right. If we did what we need to do, because that's mm-hmm. what's gonna make the the little difference. And that that's what happened. Yeah, the biggest difference, honestly. The moment that stick slows down, it's it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta put your speed down and then try to get it back up. So yeah. Because I think when we got a chance to talk to Tiana Bartoletta over the summer about it, um, she was saying the year that they broke the world record, it's like everybody was still rooting for Jamaica then too because it's like they were the ones who had all the fastest women currently in the world at that particular time. And then they still managed to pull off um, something that literally has their names written down in history. And I just, man, that that was so great to watch. Um, just seeing you come across the line and knowing that, like, yeah, like y'all won that on US soil. Like y'all really brought that mm-hmm. home. And um, I want to talk a little bit about the year that you've had because this has been your first year. And I know you talked a little bit about like what some of the changes and differences were, but you were doing so well um before world championships, and then you know, obviously talking to- off that Mount Sack. Okay, like she said, y'all don't know my name this year. That's that's how I felt watching her run. And so I want you to just take me through some of the emotions, memories, or anything that you really want to talk about um about the season before world championships came around. Um, I think before world championships came around, you know, it was just a matter of just going out there doing what I needed to do. Um, Mount Sack, of course, was my first open up. I'm aware of then going out there to run 10 7, even though the win wasn't on my side again. <laughs> um, but just being able to go out there and win, put together the race that I've been working on, preparing for the whole season, you know, and then going throughout the season, you know, it was a lot of like ups and downs, you know, because I was trying to work on my star. And then it's like sometimes I'll get the start right, but then I'm lagging on the end of the race, or I'll just continue lagging on the start part and you get too far from me. And it's like now I'm trying to work too hard on the end. So I would say it was a lot of lessons learned throughout the season and a lot of like trying to see if this works, see if that works. 
Um, but I would say it definitely have set me up for going into next season, knowing what I need to work on um, and what I need to get like mentally stronger at doing or physically stronger at doing because we knew the physical components was there, but it's just a matter of putting everything together like when it counted. Um, right after Worlds, I ended up going to Memphis and it was like literally right after Worlds. People were like, you already running? But I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm not really, and I'm like, if y'all think about it, all I ran was two rounds of the hundred. I didn't do what I wanted to do in the hundred and I just ran it for my one. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm running Memphis. It's like cool. But then at the time I'm like, well, should I be running? So I was like, whatever, it's whatever. So I ended up running that Memphis and I set a PR. I went 1082. I finally put the race together. It was mm-hmm. able to PR again and run 1082. Um, over there, you know, so being able to do that and know that I was in a good position, even though Royals didn't go the way it went, but I knew I still had the rest of the season. I had overseas. Um, and stuff like that in the overseas was like a big lesson because I'm like, how did I run 1082? And I go over here and I can't really run nothing, like for real. Mm-hmm. Um, over there. So it was like just kind of like a lesson learned and knowing that I have to get like acclimated like over there or doing this and doing that and just want to become like more consistent um running stuff because I'm like someone had made a tweet and it was like how I was like in the top with like Carmen Leader Marlene Audion them of running a certain amount of sub 11s within the season I'm like oh I didn't mm-hmm. know I ran 13 sub 11s within this season um or so like just knowing that stuff and learning that kind of stuff I would say I had a, like a lot of lessons but definitely no regrets that definitely set me up for next year now, the next thing I'm going to ask, I talked to Noah about this, but um, and, and his answer made sense, but I feel like it's still a little bit different because he never went through collegiate track. And so mm-hmm. I always wondered um, how it felt to kind of get your mind right for majority of the season to know that world championships was going to be like the main event. But knowing that afterwards you still have things to do, because the way that I think about it is like you go through collegiate track, you've got this entire indoor and outdoor season, but like nationals is the main event. And there's nothing that really happens after that, unless you know it's a world championship year and you're going to worlds and USA's, but that's it. You get to take your time, come back to school and just go through the cycle again. So I wanted to know what that difference was like for you, or if you felt any difference, or if it was just like, Hey, it's just another meet in the books. Um, so for me, yeah, the instead of the main goal being nationals, the main goal was trials and making a team to run at rurals. Um, so my main goal, you got to make this team. You need to do what you need to do. As well as you set yourself up to make this team, you know, and then I didn't have an indoor season. I didn't run indoor. I was like, I just want to get acclimated to the group, um, you know, see how I adjust and stuff like that. So, you know, I had that time to do what I need to do, whereas in college, it's like you got fall training, then straight to indoor, straight to outdoor. You don't really have time to work on little nicks and knacks and stuff. But I use that time of not doing indoor to do what I need to do that set me up for my outdoor season. You know, so that was like a big difference for me. But then knowing after Worlds, I had more of a season. Um, it wasn't too, too much of a difference because I'm like, I'm running to, I'm like, it's September and I'm still running. But then <laughs> about it and I was like but my sophomore year I ran all the way to August because I did Pan Am's I did NatCat U23 and I did Pan Am Seniors which was mm-hmm. like sometime in August I was like well honestly I'm not running that much longer but I am running longer I'm like I'm still going in September but then it was also the idea of knowing that I could have shut my season down after my first few trips overseas because I had already reached my limit of how many weeks I needed like to fulfill my contract um and stuff like that but then another person was like oh I can get the lessons of what is required when you oversee so I wasn't 
too worried about it. But at the same time, I was like, I'm over this. I'm ready to go home. Like, I was drained. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was that that much of a difference. It was just like the importance of certain points in the season was shifted. Whereas with collegiate, my importance is indoor nationals, outdoor nationals, and trying to make the team. Whereas as a pro, my importance was U.S. trials, making it to June to make it to rurals, and then going on after rurals to do whatever else I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And so as you transition into your sophomore season, because I know a lot of people about to start fall training real, real soon. Um, but what I want to know is that if somebody came to you next year at the end of the season, it was like, you know, TT, you had a very, very successful year. What would that look like for you? Like, what would you imagine to have happened for somebody to come and tell you that? To have happened this from this year? No, next year. Oh, for next year, um, that I finally put the race together and know how to run from the front and not the back. Um, <laughs> multiple sub 11s, PR, and I hit a 10-7 multiple times. Um, made the world team again, this time medaled individually. And okay. Also, and also medaled on a relay. Okay. I love that. I'm loving it. Now y'all heard it here first. So as soon as it happened, I mean, me and Jasmine ain't going to be surprised. We'll be like, man, we've been knowing this girl for a minute. It definitely wouldn't be surprising. It's all in the timing. And I know that medal's coming your way very soon. Yes. Okay. Now it's Jasmine's turn. It's time to get a laugh in. Thank you. Because (laughs) we started talking about overseas. And so now I got to ask, like, my question for everybody is, you're overseas mm-hmm. food you know we mm-hmm. go through a little bit of a shock when it comes to food so what place so far has had the best food in your opinion and then the worst food um i would say italy had really good food italy and budapest budapest had this one restaurant we would always go to after the meat um or so um this little italian restaurant italy had different options around like they had pizza and all that the worst food I would say was Zurich, um, <laughs> but but that's the hotel food. I would say the we know how the hotel food be. I would say the hotel food better be a Diamond League final. The hotel food was at the part, but now a restaurant that was up the street, like two of them was good. Now those was good. The restaurant, I feel like they could have done better. They they could have came a little harder. You know, it's the Diamond League final. We could have had like more options. But they did have the fresh pasta ready for every day. Like, they cook it right then and then until you go on about your mm-hmm. business and come back. But, yeah. Okay. Now, is shrimp still your favorite food? Uh, yeah, shrimp or steak. I'll say steak probably at the top right now. Okay, because I love me some seafood. If it's in the sea, I'm probably going to eat it. So. <laughs> um, I know you're not going to eat no jellyfish. <laughs> if there was a way to eat a jellyfish, I would probably try it. I would try you're it. Sick. You're sick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so where is the best place to get shrimp in your opinion? And what is your favorite kind of shrimp? Hmm. I honestly haven't even looked like into the shrimp for real, for real. I'd just be like, can I have some shrimp? It depends on how you want to cook. If you want to fry See, me, I go to Miami and I go to the little hoods, the little spots in the hood. You know, you know, you know, mm-hmm. little spots that look like they like hole in the walls or something. Yep. And you get that fried shrimp or something to be fresh. That's what I like to go at in Miami. Um, I hear I haven't really found no good place. I mean, I went to like a seafood bowl, 
I think it's called Mr. and Mrs. Crab or something out here. I might go to that when I'm done with this. But <laughs> um, I think that's like the only place I really uh would really look for shrimp. Now lately, now you can now steakhouse, I, I can find you one of those. Okay, steakhouse too. Steak because that was okay. so, you said steak, I gotta ask. Steakhouse, I would say Christner's. That's a good steakhouse. Um, and also depending on what cut you get in Christner's. Um, Charlie's, Ruth Chris, and Vito's is and Eddie V's. Those are top five right now. Vito's is good. I've definitely yes. I just had I just tried Vito's for the first time the other day. That was good. Oh, that that is a fireplace. <laughs> so, okay, this question is real random because I was thinking about how I like seafood, and then you know TikTok, TikTok. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. TikTok be putting me in a hole. Somehow, <laughs> basically, I came across people talking about mermaids, right? I came oh, my God. Mermaid talk. But like I said, I know I would, if it's from the sea and I could try it. You I would not. You know. So if someone wants to be like, hey, yo, so we, we found a mermaid. You want to no. try it? For would you eat the mermaid? No. That's cannibalism. <laughs> no, that's cannibalism. It's still you has Have you seen a real? Go look up a real mermaid. Stop thinking about them Disney princesses. Okay. First of all, you know no. what? I'm Listen. very picky. I'm. Very, I just got into like eating calamari and all this because I know calam- what calamari and stuff is. But I'm very. Picky. It's gonna take a lot for me to eat a mermaid. I just like started eating sea bass. All oh, the sea bass is really good. I just started eating that. So. I don't, I don't so know. About if you could get a world record. If eating that mermaid gave you a world record, would you eat it? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask that. But That's it's gonna take a lot. Like you gotta disguise it. You can't tell me what it is. You just gotta cook it and tell me, oh, I made some food and come eat. And then don't don't tell me to like time, time, a lot of time pass. <laughs> Yo, you know what it's like midnight? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't tell me because I'm not uh-uh. going to We're not getting no world records. I'm not eating that. Uh-uh. I'm not Let me that. tell you what she asked Champ in our episode <laughs> earlier this week. She, she asked the same question, and he ain't had nothing to say. He's like, man, I don't know, I don't know. She's like, would you eat cow nuts? I'm like, oh, no. Some people eat that because some people eat cow some people eat cow tongue and stuff. But she's talking about the, the Yes, yeah, some people, people eat, eat the testicles. They eat them. Yes, you see they that video on TikTok that man had his wife eating them testicles. They they eat the testicles. And they was wrong. And it has natural testosterone in it. That's no, I'm not, I'm not oh my eat, God. I'm not eating no cow bones. Mm-mm. But I'm not. And some of them eat it still in the shape of the testicle. Like, you ain't gonna mush it up or something. Like, no, that's just wow. stuff. Some of these are supposed to be left alone. Well, man, I think I think our podcast has officially become unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sorry, Chris. <laughs> some of these are meant to be left alone. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. So then I also saw, love the internet, that your favorite movie is Set It Off. Yes, yes. Okay, so I have to ask out of out of the four characters and then your training group, who would be the four characters? Who would be Jada Pinkett? Cleo, Cleo, Cleo will offer if I to be either me or Carrie. 
Cleo is either one of us because I'm not TT. TT would probably be TT would probably be Kyra or Javian. Who is the other one? No, mm. Vivica Fox. What was she? Mm. Vivica Fox might. Mm. She was like said. Mm. Who would be who? Mm, that is a good one. Because now Tiana is also in our group. But I would say Kyra would definitely probably be TT. Or she could be Vivica too. Her and, her and Javen can be like interchangeable with Vivica and TT. Um, Jada Pink, but who would be Jada Pink? Mm. Like Jada Pink. I don't know. I don't think we got a Jada Pink. Like she was she was real relaxed and like real calm. We got all people be on go. Let Javian Javian can kind of be subtle. Javian's kind of subtle. She could probably been Jada Pickett, but Cleo was deaf. Cleo, I would say no. I would say Cleo and Vivica could either be Carrie. She can be either one of those. Carrie or me can be either Cleo or Vivica. Jada would be Javian, and TT would probably be Kyra. Okay. Oh, that's that's good answers. I could see all those too. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't no way. Now, go ahead. You know, you already know what question coming. <laughs> and we got to listen. At this point, we will have to write down the list of banned people when I ask this question because I don't remember no more. Um, But if you could combine with another athlete to create a super athlete, who would it be? And you can't choose Allison Felix or Usain Bolt. You say Allison or Fred. To combine with, mm-hmm. I would probably say to make a super talented, I would probably say Arian. Oh, ain't nobody saying him yet. That's I'm a good. Can I ask why? Mm, like his talent right now, we think is crazy, and he's young, so like. As he keep getting older and mature and probably starting lifting weights and all that stuff, yeah. it's gonna keep going from there. As long as he's healthy, I wish health over him. It's gonna be, we're gonna see, we think we saw crazy. We ain't see crazy yet. Hey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I ain't see nothing. Now, that was answer, PT. <laughs> that was good. See, that's why I like when people give different answers because everybody's gonna say, oh, I want you saying boat. Or Allison Felix. Yeah, I'm like, no. okay, but they already cold. Like, yeah, they they already on their own. Yeah. If um, what is who is a person that you would want to race as much as possible? Race as much as possible. Hmm. Mm, I don't think I have a specific person. Whoever just gonna bring me to a PR and cross that line. Whoever gonna push me, we're gonna be pushing each other from start to finish, and you're gonna drag me on with you. And we I'm pushing making you better, you making me better. Whoever gonna do that? Whoever bringing the smoke, let's go. Yep. <laughs> TT, because Kaylin ain't got no more questions. I asked all of mine. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you fun. so so much, girl. Thank you for everyone that has tuned in and is listening. Make sure you guys follow Out of the Blocks TF on Instagram and on wherever you listen to your your podcast. Okay.